Welcome to another edition of Sports Reports as Ordered. As always, I'm your co-host, Mike Wilson, with my guy, Raphael Rutley. What's going on, Raph? What's going on, man? It's another Friday night, episode five of the podcast. I want to thank everybody so far for tuning in. You know, our views are going up. Thank you. So Friday, you know what? Me and Mike are already talking before we record it. We're just going to get right into it. Just get right into this. All right. So first off, we're going to start off with some talk about Ed Reed versus Bethune-Cookman. We're going to talk about Daniel Jones and is he a top 10 quarterback in the NFL? We're going to preview your NFL games this weekend, championship weekend. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Pac-12. Are they dying a slow death and tying that into an overall conversation about college football realignment? So with that being said, Raph, what's up with your boy Ed Reed? Listen, Ed Reed, we admire the passion. A lot of people who have been fans of Ed Reed for a while can remember the I'm hurt, I'm hurt, the speech he gave at halftime when he's in Miami, the shoulder was hurting. And we understand that passion. You've seen him play NFL all those career, all those years. Uh, Bill Belichick talked about the greatest play I've ever seen the safety make. You know, like people, you know, he's been doused without accolades for his career. But Bethune-Cookman went on to hire him to be the head coach. And you want passion. You want passion in your head coach. You want somebody that cares, especially when you're bringing in young men, especially young black men. You want a coach that cares. You want a coach that's not there just for the money. Unfortunately, money is uh, any kind of agreement that you have. And he had an agreement in principle. And it might have been a little premature because based off his behavior, I want to say behavior because it kind of negative connotation to it. But what he saw in the weeks after he agreed in principle, he's like, oh, I'm seeing a lot of things I don't like. You know, the trash, the building is not being used properly, not having access to certain equipment, not having access to people to take care of these issues. My, my major issue with it is that you had your agreement in principle. Go talk to the administration. Stop going to IG Live. People have to stop going to IG Live. I know we're using our cameras right now to record this podcast, and we want to reach the people, but I'm not on here recording a video talking about how much I can't stand having Michael Wilson on my podcast. I'm just sick of having him here. I can text him. I can call him. I can, we can have these conversations on the side. Everything doesn't need to be public, and because it, his conversation was public, the reaction was public. This is a professional organization, this university. They can't just have somebody out there trying to, you know, salt their game, for lack of a better term. So his reaction and then this testimony that he kept putting out, out on social media, it just, I think it rubs people the wrong way. Like, I understand you, you want to speak the truth. Everybody wants the truth. But when you're in a certain position with a head coach, you have to understand, like, you might have to move a little differently to get your point across. And he said Dion was right. And Dion may have, might have had those same issues down in Jackson. And maybe his cachet and his his business acumen allowed him to cover up some of that stuff. And he said, you know what? I'm going to Colorado. They're going to pay me more. I appreciate you guys giving me an opportunity. And he spent time and money to, you know, build what he built at Jackson State. But he also did it over three years. Ed Reed was there for three weeks. And the way he was talking in a lot of his videos, he it felt like he was expecting – Deion Sanders' three years of work at Jackson State to be translated and transplanted into 
his three weeks at Bethune Cookman. And when it didn't work out that way, he went to social media. And then that was a backlash. Like, listen, we're not the 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 contract's not locked in. So we can go ahead, void this right now, and go get a coach that's not gonna go to social media and blast us. So that's right. That that was my personal opinion on you know how he reacted and, and the subsequent pulling of the contract or the the, the non-ratification of the contract as they termed it. Yeah, so you know, I was thinking about this and initially I wanted to argue and I wanted to say all these things, but it really ain't leaving me enough room to really be a counselor today. But what I will say is we always get stuck in this position of first impressions. You know, first impressions truly matter. Now, as someone trying to get a job or whatever the case may be, trying to move your way up in a career, your first impression to that employer matters. But as the employer, you have a first impression to make on me as well. So for the fact that I'm walking up in here and I got to clean up trash, I got to clean up my own office. Now, most people I feel would not go into a new place of business, walk into their office, find trash everywhere, and not and, and be happy about it. Now, granted, they don't run the IG. You know, they might go talk to their boss and say, hey, what's going on, man? Or like whatever the case may be. That's the way every probably should have handled it. But Bethune-Cookman, I think in the first place, didn't realize who or what they were hiring. I think they saw what had happened over in Mississippi and they said, hey, let's ride this wave because everything's a copycat league or whatever the case may be. You got Eddie George at Tennessee State not doing so well, but you had Dion at Jackson. So now you got, hey, Bethune-Cookman, who's been awful the last couple of years, trying to get back on the mat, trying to get back relevant. This is a school that is fighting for their accreditation. They are not out of the woods yet. In March, they go before the Southern Association of Colleges, also known as the SAC, you know, to prove their case to keep their accreditation. So this is not a school that in the traditional sense has their stuff together and they went out here and just made a mistake and hired the wrong person. I want to know, what was the interview process like? How did they vet him? Like, was it a Zoom call? Was it a virtual thing? Did they just let somebody know that they were interested in hiring Ed Reed? Like, what did that even look like? It probably looked very similar to a conversation you and I had the other day about who are you comfortable with or what situation are you trying to, to portray? Like, hey, we're trying to make a splash and this person offered us the splash hire. We talked about it with Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy. He was like, Jerry Jones, like, you know what? I want somebody that I like. The X's and O's will figure out with the assistants and everything else. I have football knowledge. You have football knowledge. Do I like you? And maybe it could have been that simple. Like, are you the next face of the NFL Hall of Famer turned HBCU head coach that gets us on ESPN? Are you Deion Sanders 2.0? Do you still have connections with Deion? Can we still keep this this communication open by hiring someone like Ed Reed? Like, because he probably has a connection to Deion. I believe Dion played with him one year in Baltimore when Dion was last his very last year. Yep. So I'm pretty sure they have some kind of relationship. And Deion Sanders seems to be a bit of a godfather in 
these football circles and a lot of people like him because, you know, he, he talks about his personality, his confidence and his authenticity. So I think people, you know, gravitate towards him, hence why he was able to do what he was able to do at Jackson State. But that isn't that's not everybody. Everybody's not gonna give you that. Eddie George has been at Tennessee State. He's not out here doing athletic commercials and Under Armour commercials and has a social media team playing music and walking out and the dance and having a TV show on literally on Prime TV <laughs> following a record called Coach Prime. I mean, like, it's, it's so many things, there's so many nuances to that. And I think, like I said, Ed Reed just probably got caught in a position where they thought they were going to get Dion 2.0. And what they got was someone who called them out. And maybe they didn't like it. But in the same sense, that's their prerogative. Mm-hmm. They hired them in principle. And they realized while they were in this ratification process, it's like, hey, I don't think this guy's the guy for us. Because you ratified a contract, give him a three-year contract. And, and two months from now, when they're trying to do some kind of camp and the bus breaks down, does he go back on IG Live, talk about how cheap the school is and they won't <laughs> hire a good butt? bus driver, because if you are doing this in the first few weeks of your hiring, what are you going to do the rest of the time? Like, you've been deployed. I, I deployed to Iraq. I remember the briefing I got. He was like, listen, you're likely to get in trouble your first two weeks here and your last two weeks. Because your first two weeks, you don't really know what's going on. And then after a while, you catch on to that. And then your last two weeks, you think, I'm good to go. I'm going to slide out. He was in that first two weeks, and he figured man, what's going on here? I'm Ed Reed. They hired me. They came and got me. They pulled me from this. And I think he got a little, you know, had too much dip on his chip. They say. <laughs> <laughs> dip on his chip. And then <laughs> caught him off guard. He was like, whoa, I'm, I'm a passionate guy. You guys should recognize that. We're like, listen, we don't need your passion. And blasting us, we need your passion and getting us wins. Well, you know, what got me was like the whole like, I turned down Jackson to, to take this job. And I was like, hold up. We saw that video where Dion told all the players that he wanted TC to get the job, you know, and TC ended up getting the job. But I'm like, hold up, Ed, what you doing, bro? Like, you- and, and you see the video, <laughs> publicist was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, chill, chill. He was like leaning in front of the camera like, I'm going to take this from here, Ed. You see right here. Right, right, yeah. Like, but but Ed, I, th- I think Ed did have big plans for that school, though. You know, like I heard things about Michael Strahan and Shaq, people like that that were going to be donating and trying to help out or whatever the case may be. But this is this. So this whole situation leads me to a bigger point, And I'm sorry, I got to ad lib this one. You know, <laughs> I was I was thinking about this as we were just talking. And if you are Shaq or, you know, somebody, whoever that has mega bucks or whatever the case may be. Why does Ed Reed have to be the coach at the school for you to want to donate or for you to, you know, take the time to, like, I guess, try to help fight that plight? I just feel that everyone, to some degree, should be investing in these HBCUs, even like little people like me and you, maybe, because everybody keeps on going with the come home. This is what it is. But Ed Reed speaks to a bigger point that. Yes, I have melanin, but a lot of these schools are not desirable. Like they might be great as far as academia, great professors, you know, you get great life lessons and all those type of things. But even as Ed Reed is leaving and and getting fired, students are out here protesting about their dorms. You know, we saw that in the military where, you know, 
people still had asbestos in their room. And dude, it's 2023. Why you still got asbestos? You know, my so, first home. They just put some tape up saying, don't go to the third floor. Yeah, you remember in Korea, we had we were living in condemned dorms. Oh, you know? man, I got leaked on so many times by, like, the pipe. I was on the phone, pipe bus. Right. Now, now, the difference is we didn't get on Facebook or whatever the case may be, act a fool or whatever the case may be. But I don't think we need to lose what Ed Reed was trying to talk about. Like, he went about it the complete wrong way. Complete wrong way. But I think there are valid issues that that he brought up. Maybe instead of a firing, maybe there's like a strong reprimand and some kind of probationary period or whatever the case may be. Like, don't do that no more. You got these people donating money or lining up to donate money. We can work this out. Maybe it was just too far gone. It probably was, like I said, it probably was something that's like, this guy just got here. We haven't even paid him yet. And he's already putting us on blast. Yes, I'm sure every university that isn't well-funded has issues, whether it's a small college in Delaware or it's a you know tiny HBCU in Texas, whatever the case may be. If you're not one of these schools that has these billion-dollar endowments, USC, Stanford, Oregon, Florida State, whatever the case may be, if you're not one of these schools that has an influx of money coming in all the time, yeah, you're probably going to have problems when it comes to funding and getting things that need to be resolved with more funding. But in the same sense, with Ed Reed, he had an opportunity, potentially, I don't want to I want to say how you should have handled it, but if you were that concerned about the kids you recruited, what could you do for them to get them prepared for football and academics at Bethune-Cookman? Yes, it's not ideal that they would have to go out and clean out the locker room. But if it was a safe situation, like, hey, this building isn't going to collapse. It's not as best as it's just we got to get the trash cleaned out of here so we can get our equipment in here. Then you go out there and you get the equipment clean. You get that stuff cleaned up. You can have the camera mm-hmm. and you can use the camera to say, look, I got my players out here. We're taking care of the building. We're taking care of ourselves. It's all about intrinsic motivation to be better. And we're working together every day. And then you take that to the administration and say, look, we're out here cleaning up this trash. Your voice on the on social media and what you put out for the public can be different. It's not fake because two things can be true at the same time. You can really feel like this is a team building opportunity for the players that you recruited. Yes, this is not ideal. Every situation in life is going to be ideal. And you can try to spin it as a life lesson. Yes, it's inconvenient. But you can take that. You can get your resolution and then still go to the administration. And after that, it's like, listen, we've done our part mm-hmm. we've cleaned up we've done the paint we've done the clean up the office we've moved furniture from one building to the next building we've done our part and this is evident that you guys aren't doing your part i'm out of here mm-hmm. but you have to have that you have you don't have leverage all he has is an argument he doesn't have resolution he's just highlighting problems and that's fine but the problem is the next thing that happens in the next 30 days uh, like three days, next 30 hours is going to be something else is going to push the Bethune-Cookman issues down. They're not going to talk about this. Once the Ed Reed, everything's kind of finalized, and then we got our two Super Bowl teams come Monday, and 
coaches are getting hired and coaches are getting fired and then the NBA All-Star game and then LeBron breaks his record. All these other things in sports are going to layer. It's going to be like the, the princess and the pea. Like, she's not going to feel that little pea in the bottom of the mattress. It's going to be it's going to be squashed. So yeah, and we're not going to. And once all that stuff happens, any resolution. And once all that stuff happens, no one is ever going to utter the words Bethune Cookman again. Not and, and, and you know, so so just real quick, well, just real quick as an aside, you know, before Dion went to Jackson State, if somebody walked up to you, now leave Virginia out of this. I know you're from Virginia, but like if somebody walked up to you and said, if I say HBCU, what's the first school that comes to mind? What would you say? Howard. I would have said Grambling, you know, and just going off. Of, <laughs> I graduated from Howard. Just, just going. Had me lined up to go there, and I was like, "Don, I don't know, I don't know if I got the brains." Yeah. Yeah, doctor. Yeah, but I, I, I would have said, I would have said Grambling, just going off of athletics and the Bayou Classic. That would have been the first thing that came to my mind, and you know, they had some of these issues that made the news back in 2015, asbestos, you know, all this kind of stuff like that, and we never heard it in that way. But think so I'm about sure. It. Game, the only game that I can recall being on TV was Grambling versus Southern. Mm-hmm. Even though my cousin went to Howard and I lived, I grew up in Newport News right next to Hampton. Hampton's another HBCU. My, my a friend of mine ended up going to Hampton. You don't really, he- you didn't really hear it, but you didn't see it on TV. Granted, I left, I mean, I joined the Air Force in 2000. I was all over the world. So now there's right. plenty of channels. But growing up, you got, I think NBC would play Mm-hmm. Southern. Mm-hmm. And that's the game that I can recall. Steve McNair got drafted out of the Alcorn State. So that was a big conversation because he was getting drafted. But after the draft was over, it was very, 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 very little media coverage. Even if, like I said, even in Virginia, where there's black colleges, Virginia State, you have, like I said, Howard, Hampton, Norfolk State. Like literally, I live in an area full of these of, of HBCUs, and mm-hmm. even if you go back to like my city, they talked about Christopher Newport, the community college at Turner University that was getting bigger in my city. Like more people were trying to go there than in college, or, or you went to a community college, even though all these schools were available. It just it never really got highlighted. And now with him not being there, it might not get highlighted unless they unless some some other some more people. Are that that wave like? Because I say you need two people to start a movement. Like this, this video I saw in one right. of my courses, like a guy dancing alone on the mountain by himself in like a concert, and then another guy comes over there and just starts dancing with him, and then people see that this second guy joined the movement. Okay, must be something. Then three more people come, then eight more people come, and now it's just this raucous dance circle. But you need you need that second person to to generate the wave. Dion. He, he, he had the torch for a little bit, but he's like, I can't hold on to this when I have other opportunities. And then Bethune-Cookman thought they had their second guy. Right, right. I just think they didn't hire the right personality to come into that environment and, and then be honest. Like, listen, we are not we are not where we need to be as far as a college football program. And even some of our college standards are under fire but we are working towards this. Let's make this agreement a principle and then we'll go from there. But mm-hmm. it just seems as if, if the story really, if the story ever comes out, I'm not sure it ever will, 
it has to be some miscommunication there because his reaction is it seems over the top but you react that way if you felt like you were bamboozled or let astray you can't just feel like that way because there's trash in the building. Like something else had to something occur. else had to go down. Yeah. But the he lost his leverage when he immediately went to social media. It's what it would seem like immediately. It could have been a week of conversation behind the scenes, but we're thinking about you just got this job, and the first post we see about it is you talk about how terrible and trashy it is. It's like right. So I think like he just didn't use his leverage properly. Where Bethune Cookman was trying to use their leverage or the leverage of the Hall of Fame and black coaches and coming to school. And I think it just was a, uh, I think it was a bad match. Yeah. Well, the the other thing is Dion had, Dion had coaching experience, you know, whether it was head coach, offensive coordinator, granted it wasn't at the college level or the NFL level or whatever the case may be, but he had been a manager and a leader of men, if you will, the old program and and a big, big time high school football state. Right. And whereas Ed Reed, like, you know, he basically was the assistant defensive backs coach for the Buffalo Bills. He was a senior analyst slash um, advisor for the Miami Hurricanes, you know, prior to taking the Bethune-Cookman job. So in that way, to some degree, he didn't show or display at any point that he had that type of management skill or you know, because that's not something that you just learn as you're doing it. Like, you know, you either lead people, galvanize, or you don't. And and I think Bethune-Cookman messed up in the first place by hiring him. And I know by saying that, he might come after me now. And, like, you know, hopefully, you know, if I do end up DMing, DMing him at some point, hopefully he ain't putting that out in the streets like he did Shannon Sharp. But, yeah, you know, so, like, we already we making enemies out of Easy Money Sniper, and now, you know, we're going to have Ed Reed on our butts. But, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, I think Bethune-Cookman holds some responsibility, too, because they had the facilities that he's complaining about, and they shouldn't have hired him in the first place. Like, they, they didn't do their due diligence and probably didn't vet him the proper way. And as an institution of higher education, I expect better from them. Take the HBCU part away from it, but just – as a university and a college that is always colleges are always concerned about their brand. They're always concerned about their image. I just don't think that they went about this the right way. So one day, hopefully Ed Reed will get a chance to redeem himself because from what I've seen from him before this and watching him on the football field, he's absolutely valuable. He's absolutely the type of person that kids can learn from. You know, I just hope, that the only thing they learn from him isn't like what we've just seen, you know, and in situation where he might have to have like his own camp. I had a, I had a supervisor that was a CNCO. He couldn't, he couldn't manage people. He was meticulous. He couldn't manage people. So they put him in charge of like a wing program where he managed logistics of this program. Mm -hmm. You just, sometimes you just, it's just not a situation where you think, Oh, let me put him here because we want him here. Or we want her there. Or we want this person to do this job. Or we want this group of people to be hired. It might be a situation where that might not be for you. Mm-hmm. Under the podium. I know people are like, so we want an authentic guy to come up there and, you know, spill his guts. Well, that's fine. But that person will also spill their guts at times that might not be convenient for you. Mm-hmm. So you might need that person. You might need someone who's a little bit more tactful mm-hmm. approach everybody can't you can't kill ants with sledgehammers all the time 
So I think, and that's think, hard. That's hard. It, that's that's something hard. that I went through. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, but it, that that's it comes with a situation like getting hired and fired in the same month. Right. You know, or even Bethune Bethune Cookman hiring someone and having to realize, oh, we didn't do this right. Let's hire a coach and see if we can get the best we can get out of this coach simply because that person can coach, not because that person played in the NFL and they're right. not playing. Right. And when it comes to hiring practices, you know, lately there's few better than the New York Giants. You know, they brought Brian Dayball in. You know, he he resurrected he resurrected Daniel Jones, you know, like Jersey stand up because they play in Jersey. He's Stop right giving New York the love. They play in Jersey. So, so I heard so I heard there's an good, argument. I, I heard there's an argument out there that uh Daniel Jones, old Danny Dimes, could be a top ten quarterback in the NFL. Listen. I guess we're in the we're in the Facebook group, uh Real Sports three sixty five, and there's a a lot of people are fans of their team and they display that willingly in our group. It's not even subtle. Sometimes it's a little outland. There's a lot of preseason talk. A lot of people had they were big on the Giants, but a couple of Giants fans that were big on the Giants. I personally lost um some check and a conversation over Daniel Jones. So it made me think about it. I'm like, okay, you might be right. So a few days ago, Greg Jennings on he was on the odd couple of Chris Broussard and Rob Parker. And Rob Parker and Chris Broussard jumped on like, hello, is this thing on? And he he stuck to it. Then he went on first things first, and he stuck to his guns. Like, listen, Daniel Jones is a top 10 quarterback. So you look at the numbers. Numbers can be misleading. Like I said, we're two vets, no gimmicks. But we understand after, what you you get, about 20 uh, enlisted performance reports while you're in, about 2021? Something like that. We understand how the list performance report basically takes, was it mission impact result? Mm -hmm. So say you did something as simple, like I used to be avionics. I fixed one part. They put the part in the plane, the plane flies a training mission, and then we get all these numbers. So someone will take all those numbers together, and if you read it, you would think that I personally flew this plane, landed it, fought the war by bare hands, fired <laughs> up and flew it back. Because you can you can skew those numbers. You can skew that information by saying, oh, this is how great it is. Oh, look at his QBR. Look at his runs per pack. But if you look at this year's quarterbacks, the quarterback play, there is an argument that he was in the top 10 of quarterback play this year. Not of anybody's name or cachet, you can make real argument. Oh, well, he only had 15 passing touchdowns. Well, he only threw the ball. Like, was it? Don't be trying to say my stuff before I say it. He only he only threw the, he didn't throw the ball that much. Uh, but he had 700 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. The starting quarterback for the NFC championship game for the Philadelphia Eagles had 760 rushing yards. Granted, he had. 13 touchdowns, but he was also their goal line back in Jalen Hurts. So if you look, if you look at the totality of the season, Daniel Jones's numbers 
based on how all the quarterbacks played this year, I think he's top 10. Well, I mean, if you're looking at numbers, you know, uh, for this season, you probably can make an argument for efficiency. You know, he did he did some decent things with the, like you said, the low amount of throws that he made. But if he's that guy, as Rob Parker would say, if he's that guy and he's that quarterback, that top 10 quarterback, then I might want him to throw a little bit more than those low passing attempts that you mentioned. Now, granted, he had Saquon uh, Barkley, you know, who ran for 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, averaged 4.4 yards a carry. I just think that that makes your job a little bit easier as a quarterback. So the one thing that I will give Daniel Jones before we get into this conversation is that he definitely, when we talk about the top quarterbacks in the league, he probably had, if not the worst, you know, he had a bottom two or three receiving cast. So I think I have to be fair and at least acknowledge that, you know. But with that being said, I think that there are quarterbacks, there's a very definitive line, regardless of how you want to rank them. There's a very definitive line of these are the great quarterbacks. These are the good quarterbacks. Mediocre. Why is this guy starting? Now, I will never, I'm not making the argument that Daniel Jones is in that latter tier of why is he starting. But what I will say is numbers matter. Like, so stats don't tell everything. As this show goes on, you will learn that I am not Mr. Stat Guy as far as making an argument about who's better all the time. But when I'm looking at Daniel Jones, for example, I got this guy on my team named Taylor Heineke, you know, the Heineken man who played seven less games than Daniel Jones did this year. And he only had three less touchdowns. You know, uh, Mr. Tannehill over in Tennessee, who Real Sports 365 will tell you that I despise, played four less games than Daniel Jones. And he only had four less touchdowns. I mean, I'm sorry, he played four less games, had two less touchdowns. So from that standpoint, I'm not looking at numbers from the standpoint of, hey, this person threw for 4,000 yards. He's automatically better than this person that threw for 3,000 yards. But I'm looking at people that played lesser games and scored more. And even if I take those total yards, you mentioned the rushing yards. If I take Daniel Jones rushing yards and add those on to his total, he's still not top 10 in total yards for this season. He's 3,900. That's 3,900 yards and 22 touch t- total touchdowns. That's good. And we'll look, we'll look. Okay. So we, we talked about the passes, the pass attempts. If I said to you, Justin Herbert, Definitely top 10. Most people would agree, right? So we look at Justin Herbert's numbers. Mm-hmm. 477 for six out of 699, 68% completion percentage, 4,739 yards, right? But mm-hmm. he had five touchdowns and 10 picks. Mm-hmm. His touchdown percentage is 3.6% of his passing attempts. Daniel Jones. 472 passing attempts, 15 touchdowns, 3.2% of his pass attempts went for touchdowns. And give him credit because he only threw five picks. And he only threw five picks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm with you, okay. So, but you'll say, oh, Justin Herbert's definitely top 10. What makes, because he threw 10 more touchdowns, he also threw 225 more passes. And he only threw 10 more touchdowns. So, and he had a better wide receiver core. He had a better running back who also catches touchdowns out of the backfield. Mm. Eckler doesn't get a lot of rush attempts because they don't run the ball. 
But even with that, he still had 915 yards rushing. He's been, I think he's had the most touched rush, most touchdowns by running back in the last four or five years. I think this year he went to have like 16 or 17. Last year was like 17 or 18. He's like a fantasy running back, like a fantasy player's dream because he scores a lot of touchdowns, but they throw a lot of screens to him so he can get those touchdowns. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, he has two uh, top flight tight ends that are pass catching tight ends. So he throws the ball over the field, so only through 25 touchdowns. And on top of that, only four quarterbacks all season threw over 30 touchdowns. So it's not like a lot of guys were lighting it up. Tom Brady threw 25 touchdowns, but he threw 733 passes. Mm-hmm. Almost 300 more passes than Daniel Jones, and he still only threw 10 more touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about top 10, it's like availability. Um, does he run your offense properly? Does he get you in position to score? Yeah, they don't score a lot of points, but if you can run the ball, you can keep four, five, six-minute drives. You run it with Saquon. You're throwing little passes. And you talk about his receiving core. Check his receiving Yeah, core. especially that Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton has 724 yards receiving. So it's not like he had a guy that was out there mm-hmm. double coverage or getting get, even getting double coverage. You know, so I don't think – and then you had the guy who was out there stealing money, Kenny Galladay. He had 17 receptions. I think he made 17 million this year, something crazy like that. So I think he had like a million dollars in catch, something crazy like that. And even with that, that was turmoil because he wanted to play. Didn't affect Daniel Jones' play. Didn't affect Saquon Barkley's play. But if you look at these other teams, Tom Brady goes to a wedding. Everybody talked about it. They lost the following week. He takes a couple weeks off in training camp to get himself together. All is falling apart. Justin Herbert blew the 27-0 lead. Like, all these other quarterbacks have all these issues. And Daniel Jones is supposed to be the guy who can't get it done. I think off of this year, I would consider him top 10. And I see, think year. And see, when I look at him, not making a direct play style comparison per se, but he's Alex Smith with a cool nickname. Because when I look at him. Vanilla Vic. Yeah, there you go. Like, like you know, out of out of the seventeen games, well, sixteen because you know he didn't play the last game of the season, and I'm not counting the playoff. This is just regular season that I'm talking about. Uh, he out of, eleven out of the sixteen games that they played this season, he threw for less than two hundred yards. Some of those games, just in case you were wondering, they were not against the two thousand Baltimore Ravens or the nineteen eighty five Bears. They were against this year's Texans. This year's Colts, coached by Jeff Saturday, who better not get that damn job. Uh, it was a, it was it was Seattle, you know. It was Seattle who did not have anything resembling a defense. Remember the whole forty-eight to forty-five Detroit game? Uh, that was the game that got them in the playoffs, actually. Uh, Tennessee and against this team. So you know, like, so when I look at that, those are the teams that you should. If, if you're going to excel, if you're going to make that argument of pay me money, I want to stay here, those are the games where you go out there. But I tell you what, he was a Minnesota killer. I will give him that. He was a Minnesota killer with that slow secondary. But, you know, but but when I look at this, where we start to part ways, because I'm with you, you know, that's the best part about arguing with you, because you make great points that I can go, hey. Hey, okay, okay. But where we part ways on this particular conversation is when I start to look at the different stats like QBR, where, you know, there's 32 teams in the NFL 
and he's number 16 in QBR. So he's right at the borderline of halfway. You know, he's 24th in yards per throw. He's 29th in touchdowns per throw. He's 25th in net yards per throw. So what that tells me is, in addition to the lack of his receiver or whatever you might want to call it, it feels like they might not trust him to to throw more than Alex Smith-like distances a lot. Now, he's better than Alex Smith in some ways, so I'm not trying to disrespect anybody or make a direct comparison in that way. But all I'm saying is, if you're a top 10 quarterback in the league, you're at least throwing for 200 yards consistently. You're not playing more than half your games without hitting that number. And in those five games that he did um, throw, for, I'm sorry, he so 11 out of 16 games, he didn't throw for 200 yards. He did have a 200-yard game the other game against Washington where the tie happened. So he was right there, just right there. If he would have had one more yard, he wouldn't have fit into my argument. But, you know, but the point being, the point being is that if you're a top 10 quarterback, I should be able to give you the ball and say, go get it. Go win me games. Go win me games. And I don't think the Giants are saying that with him. I think he had like three or four fourth quarter comebacks. I'm not sure of that number. I think it's like three or four. Um, mm-hmm. He had nine wins. That's more than... Rodgers and Brady. Mm-hmm. That's more than Derek Carr. That's more than Russell Wilson. Would you take Daniel Jones over Trevor Lawrence? No. Do you Be- consider Trevor Lawrence to be a top 10 quarterback? Yes. Because I think Trevor Lawrence is the more polished passer version of Daniel Jones. Are you taking... I don't think the I don't think the quarterback play is as I don't think it's as stout. I think ten. I think because when we hear ten, we mm. think of arguments we have for all time top ten. We hear that number ten, we think like, oh man. But there's only like fifty quarterbacks that really have stats on this list. I'm at I'm at. Are you taking Daniel Jones over Jared Goff? No. Do you think Jared Goff is a top ten quarterback? Yes. This season, he played like a top ten quarterback. So, um, so, so hold up, so hold not, up. There's a reason. There's a reason I'm asking you these questions. It's literally, it's literally. I'm telling you. I okay. If we look at right now, I'm using a Pro Football Reference, and it's it's sorted by yards. Right now, so it's sorted by yards. So the yard part, he's at 15. Mm-hmm. So if we look at the guys who are 16 to 29, none of them are top ten. So I think this list is a good enough list where I can say I will move him up above this guy. Because if you go 16 is Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, Mac Jones, Andy Dalton, Dak, uh, Jacoby Reset, Tannehill, Pickett, Murray, like a lot of these other guys, you know, I can say, all right, 15, this is the accurate list of who I think. So at 15, that's what Daniel Jones, I'd move him above Derek Carr. I'd take him above Russell Wilson. I'd take him above Tua. I take him above Aaron Rodgers right now. That gets me to 11. I don't take him over any of those guys. Like, maybe Tua just because of the injury situation, you know, because that matters, you know, but not over any of those other guys you just said. Derek Carr is a tricky one, too. I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I think he just has crappy coaching. And, I, anyway. and, I, and I'd move I'd move Tom Brady out of the top 10 because he's not played like a top 10 quarterback this year at all. 
Tampa mm-hmm. Bay had less points on the season than Chicago. Mm-hmm. Take Tom Brady out of the top ten. And that gets you Daniel and you, you lose Kirk Cousins. I get you Daniel Jones. I don't take Kirk, I don't take him over Kirk Cousins. But if you move, if you had Kirk Cousins in there, I would give you Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Geno Smith had a great year. Not in the order after this point, but Trevor Lawrence. Give me Daniel Jones. Give me uh, Trevor Lawrence. I think I said it. Uh, you said golf. Golf. Kirk Cousins. Herbert. Yeah. That's it. I got I got Daniel Jones at like nine. Or Jalen Hurts is, is, is in there too. But like I said, it's not anymore. But I got Jalen Hurts in there, top ten. But yeah, I got I got See, and I would still and and, and I would based off of off of this year. I would still I would still put Aaron Rodgers ahead of him because Aaron Rodgers had like how I mentioned that Daniel Jones has a top two or I'm sorry, bottom two version of wide receivers, that other part is probably Aaron Rodgers. Like he had <laughs> Not have a bottom wide receiver. Oh pool. yes, he does. Yeah, Lazard, Lazard, Lazard has just as many drops. That's familiarity. And then he had two Look. young rookies. Yes, they had drops, but they were nowhere near as bottom as Lazard. Lazard has just as many drops as Darius Slayton. Well, if they Christian, didn't, Christian form, Watson showed up. The Green Bay, for some reason, you know, doesn't run the ball enough to alleviate some of the pressure off of Aaron Rodgers. And you know, you know that I am not an Aaron Rodgers supporter. So I'm not even trying to go there, you know. Um, And I think from there, you get kind of preference, you know what I mean? Like, so I think, I think I could go, I think I could go with like 12. I think I could go with like 12. Listen, sometimes it's just a matter of what do you do for me and our team? I think Daniel Jones this year, he did for his team. If you keep in mind, if you factor in, the expectations weren't very high. No one had them winning nine games or anywhere near that. I won't say no one. I didn't hear a lot of nine win giant playoff giants in first place or second place in NFC East for large portions of the season. I didn't hear a lot of that preseason talk. Yes, he only threw 15 touchdowns, but he only had five picks. He only had six total fumbles. I don't know how many he lost, but he only had six total fumbles. I don't think he lost many of maybe one, maybe one or two. Question. So a couple of years ago, when Carson Wentz was playing in Indianapolis, and he went 27 and 7 and blew the game against Jacksonville that could have got them into the playoffs. He blew a lot of games though. Well, I know, but I'm just focused. Was he a top 10 quarterback that year? No, because he was blowing games for his team. It's not like I said, it's not just the But, but it's not like Daniel numbers. Jones was winning games for his team. But look how quickly you can lose a game. Dak threw the pick six against Jacksonville, lost in the game. He threw two picks against San Francisco potentially two turnovers and lose by one possession, lose you the game. So you can play poorly enough to lose your team the game. You can. Tom Brady, they threw, he threw a lot of passes, and they had a lot of games where they came back then, but he was doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they had less total points on the season than Chicago. Right. So it's not just, oh, Justin Herbert, 
Yes, he threw a lot of lot of passes. Only threw 25 touchdowns. And he had those spectacular throws. He had the one against, uh, I want to say, was it Tennessee? I know he had one against Kansas City to Palmer. Yeah, he had the throw after he hurt his ribs. So he has the highlights. And Daniel Jones, his only highlight for the last couple of years is when he tripped when he was running all by himself. <laughs> so he played a very pedestrian kind of game plan this year, as the whole team did. They weren't must-see TV. But that's what but, I'm saying. Like, if your game plan that, is that pedestrian, I, that means that the coach doesn't trust you as if you're a top-ten quarterback. But even with that, even with the opportunity to throw the ball, he didn't throw a lot of picks. So no, he didn't. They still, like, these guys still threw double. Like, look how many guys threw back through 15 picks. He only threw 394 passes. Mm-hmm. He threw 15 picks out of that. So even when you have limited pass attempts, it can go wrong. Like, we, we you see those those replays where the ball barely goes past the finger of the defender. So you could be you could be off by half a second and throw a pick. Well, Dak, well, Dak and Aaron Rodgers both ball had ball. broken thumbs, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone everyone got broken thumbs, but they, the ATM cards were. Daniel Jones ain't got no broken yeah. thumb. Guys, checks for forty-eight million. Daniel Jones ain't got no broken thumb. What's his problem? Aaron Rodgers is about to get sixty million dollars this year. So you mean to That's tell me? That's because teams are stupid. For twenty-six touchdowns. That's because teams are stupid. That has nothing to do with what happened on the field. Teams are just stupid. So you can give me twenty-three touchdowns, fifteen picks. You taking you taking Dan, you taking this year's back over Daniel Jones? Maybe not. You taking this year's Aaron Rodgers yes. over Daniel Jones? I am yes. Based off of what? How Based many, off of how many wins he came back in the fourth quarter? You got it. You still got to perform. I know the numbers aren't numbers aren't everything because they can be skewed. But I think Daniel Jones, what he did, like I said, the argument. I wanted to argue with Fred because I lost a ten dollar bet to him because I said <laughs> here that Tyrod Taylor would be starting by week seven, and week five came around. I was like. I just slid this DM like, yo, what's your catch? Because <laughs> I knew they weren't going to bench him because it was like, oh, he's doing exactly what they need to do. And I thought, man, he only and I still, I still don't even know if he's worth the money they're going to give him. Now, I wouldn't give him what Burrow and those other guys going to get because you you need to see if you can get him from 15 to 25 touchdowns. If you can get him a target that says, like, if you go out and do what Minnesota did and trade your first round pick to get one of these wide receivers that might not be happy where they are, or wide receiver that might be coming up for a deal, you know, like the, the Stefan Diggs kind of move. Like, if you can go get him, because Galladay wasn't the answer. He, wh- whatever they can do to get out of his contract, I'm pretty sure they'll do. But are you going to take that first round pick? Because right now, what are they? What is Josh? Like, maybe like, 14 teams. Well, well, see, well, see, that's my that's my North thing. 15 and 22 on their their picks. So, well, see, I think I think that's the problem. I, I think that's the problem is that I still don't fully understand what Daniel Jones is. I still don't know if he's hit his ceiling and if he's peaked or if he still has room to go forward. I I just don't know. I think I think this year he showed he was a uh, an he above. Showed, Game he showed that he was an above-average game manager, but our above-average game of, manager top quarterback. Of showed that they are a lot more liabilities. Hence, maybe it's by default that he moved up. But nevertheless, I'm moving him up to 10 or 9. All right, well, you could have that. 
I'm taking Rodgers out for I'm taking Rodgers out just because he just didn't I don't think he he didn't lead he didn't lead his team to wins like he didn't it didn't feel like I didn't think any week that Green Bay went into a game that Aaron Rodgers was going to lead them to victory. That's what I said about Daniel Jones. But he did though. But that's the thing, Daniel Jones did. So so like okay so so you know how I hate quarterback wins. You know how I hate counting quarterback wins. Sometimes I hate counting fourth quarter comebacks because you shouldn't have been down in the first place if you were playing better earlier. No, no, it's not even that. It's not even that. So when I think of when you say the word comeback, I think of strong adversity. Like you're down ten points, you're down thirteen points, something along those lines. Like Minnesota, Minnesota against the Colts was a comeback. That was a comeback. But if you're down three points and you go down the field, kick a field goal, go to overtime, and you win, I don't count that as a fourth quarter. I don't count that as a comeback. Or if if you're down by three and you get you the ball with four drive at least the game winning drive. Do, do you? No, subscribe? I mean they matter. They matter because you obviously have to. Because he had eight of them. You 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 obviously have to be. He had eight. You know what I mean? But at the he had same eight. time, out of nine wins, he had eight of them. He had eight game winning drives. So that means fourth quarter. Money's pushed in the middle of the table. He got you eight game-winning drives. Yes, Saquon probably ran for 30, 30 40 yards in his drives. Maybe he threw a little screen pass. Maybe somebody maybe there was him. a field goal. I don't know. But, like, he, you, you got to get him the field goal range. You're not kicking field goals from the track. Right. You got to you got to get him there. Like, you got to. No, like I said, that definitely matters because it does it show a certain clutch. It doesn't, it doesn't resonate because there's no jump pass Mahomes highlight throw. No, no, but but no using that logic out of a defensive tackle. But but using but using that logic, using that using that logic, Tim Tebow had fourth quarter comebacks. Tim Tebow led teams into field goal range and got wins. Tim bit. Tebow also was going two for eight. Tim he Tebow, was, he wasn't anywhere near. Right, right, top. right. But and Daniel, right. That's what I'm saying. And Daniel Jones wasn't thrown for two hundred yards. Sixty-seven percent completion rate. Tim Tebow was forty-eight percent. Daniel so Jones still Daniel Jones over the different. course of four quarters was not getting you two hundred yards. Difference you can see that that Listen. you can see that Tim Tebow's passes collectively throughout the whole game were awful because he was completing like forty eight point eight. Yeah, you can say the same thing about Vince Young, and that's why I don't count quarterback wins that way. But Daniel Jones' numbers are not forty eight percent. They are but, not, but he's still under 200 yards. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this again. Hold on, let me let me let me scroll back up for a second. Let me scroll back. Let me scroll back up for a second. I'm gonna say this one more one more time. 24th in yards per throw, 29th in touchdowns per throw, 25th in net yards per throw. Like, I mean, yeah, okay, cool. Like he got he did some things, but okay. so so Daniel Jones. Pedestrian passer, 200.3 yards per game in the 16 games that he played. All right. 217.4 yards. Who do you think that was? Oh, you're trying to make me guess. See, we should have oh, did this yeah. when the camera was off. When the camera yeah, was off, I, I was on it. But now I, you... hope, I hope you nail it just because I think it'll help me kind of all right, 217.4. 217.4. Oh man. I'm going to I'm going to bomb this like uh Is that Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so, 
He got See, you I'm still one good, America. more first down. He got you one more first down through the air, almost two first downs through the air, more than Daniel Jones per game. And Daniel Jones still had nine wins to his eight. How many passing yards did he have total? Uh, Daniel Jones had 32.05. Aaron Rodgers had 36.95. But 12 picks. So twice. 70 and 70 more passes about? And carry the 260. Okay. I can live with that. I can live with that because I because I feel that I can depend on Aaron Rodgers. But to, I think to make is, throws I, that Daniel Jones can. locked into the feeling. I felt the same way when I first heard it when when Greg Jennings said it last week. I'm like, no way. But now I get the laptop because on my phone you can't like really see it all. And I, I think I think what people are doing and then thinking about like how the games played out and the games because you know well that's you what know. I was going to say. I think people are overreacting to the playoff game against Minnesota because that game that, he that, that true. I think that sparked the question, but I think that I think that sorry to keep cutting you off. I think that was like the like the kindling. That started. Okay, let me let me ask you this. Going into the playoff, did you already have Daniel Jones as a top ten quarterback? No, I did not. I did not because I didn't I didn't look at it. I didn't look at all the numbers holistically. Mm-hmm. I looked at the 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 concept of what I think a top ten quarterback should do. You need to be able to throw me to victory if I need it. I need you to third and seventeen to hit this. 18 yard dig route with the wind swirling, like all of this, all this hyperbole and all this other stuff that mm-hmm. surrounds the mystique of a quarterback versus I need you to go out here and not turn the ball over and I need you to win. Every team would want their quarterback to be a game manager if they could go 17 and 0. Yeah, I was going to say that's the same thing and they told Alex Smith. Bro, like, the game, okay, last year with the win game and Mac Jones only threw three passes and they ran for like 220-something yards. If he could do that every week and Mac Jones throws 100 passes for the whole year, but they went 14-3 and three or 15-2, and two, he would take it. And that and game still counts as a quarterback win for Mac Jones. <laughs> but it would count as a team win. It would count as a first-round buy. It would count as home field advantage. All the things that you play the game for. You don't play the game to see how strong Herbert's arm is because no, not at all. When they were up twenty-seven zero and it was third and four, I don't need you to throw a bullet pass on that drag route. You know, you know what this this conversation makes me want to do one day. And I'm sorry, y'all. We just spitballing now, but like, it makes it makes me want you to give America your Joe Montana takes. That's what this conversation makes me want to do. But we'll come back to that later. And Joe Montana played for the Forty Niners, so. so are the 49ers going to do it this weekend? No. No, 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 no. no. I, looked I looked up a stat. I looked up a simple stat. Oh, here we go. You know, the, the Brock Purdy, you know, getting him out the of here Brock tour Purdy, continues. The Brock Purdy love train stops at the station in Philadelphia. Stops All right, let's hear it. Let's hear it. No rookies ever started a court, started a Super Bowl. Six of them started. That's yeah, six of them started championship games. They all mm-hmm. on six. That include my guy, uh, butt fumble. He didn't. He lost. I yeah. know that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That that counts him. Yep, yep. He's in there. Um, I got Mahomes a Mark Sanchez is, jersey in the closet. 
Mahomes was in his second year, so he. But unfortunately, the guy lined up offside, so they didn't get to go to the Super Bowl. That is so awful. D Ford, shame on you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a game of it. I don't <laughs> anyway, know. Anyway, to... yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Philly, I, I heard a stat yesterday. Philly has 15 more sacks than any other team in the NFL. 70. 15 sacks. Mm-hmm. There's three or four guys on the defensive line that have double digits. Brock Purdy is, and he's going to Philly. He, I don't think he's traveled yet. He's played in California and then Nevada. The, the road, yeah, the road game they had was were the Raiders. With the Raiders. Mm-hmm. But he has to fly out here. Tonight, when I dropped my son off, it was 32 degrees on my dashboard. See, I looked it up, and I heard 53 for game time is what I heard so far. 53? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I heard so- Arrowhead, but I heard Arrowhead's going to be below freezing, but anyway. Yeah, but they'll, they'll be fine. So you got the pressure of the quarterback. You got the fact that he's a rookie. They want to run the ball. And it's one thing to want to run the ball, but it's a different thing when you have to run the ball against Philly. Because if he gets a couple, one strip sack and at least one interception, I got two turnovers for Brock Purdy probably in the first half. And that's going to be the difference because Philly's going to run that rock. Yeah, San Francisco has a great defense, but there's only so much you can do if you're getting the ball back at the 40-yard line. Or your offense isn't moving. I just, I just think that I think the pressure that Philly can generate up front is going to be home field advantage, pressure up front, playing against a rookie quarterback, and a head coach that sometimes gets a little squirrely with his play calling. And I think McCaffrey hasn't practiced all week, but he guarantees he's going to play. Dude, get out of my notes. <laughs> hey, so yeah, very. <laughs> Listen, I know sometimes Philly fans are, listen, they'll give it to you straight up. Like Philly, South Jersey, Giants fans, Phillies fans, uh, any Philadelphia fan, Jet fans, they're going to give it to you 100. You're going to hear it. If you're wearing a jersey they don't like, they'll tell you in the middle of the supermarket. They'll stop mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. They'll let you know. And with Brock Purdy, it's, it's going to be a lot. Maybe he can tune it out. I don't know if he's been in a lot of hostile environments playing from Iowa State. I think their biggest rival is Iowa. I'm not sure how hostile it is. It might just be a robbery. Oh, the Seahawk is big time. It's a big robbery, but it's like a hostile environment. Is it like? I mean, it ain't Philly. Yeah. That's what I mean. So it's like I know. I know it's like it's it's probably and it's probably like joyful animosity. Like we want to cheer for the Hawkeyes and you're a Cyclone and. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it may, maybe it's BYU. It's probably not as big as BYU. If it's not as tough as BYU-Utah, then it's a little bit more tame. Hashtag Holy War. Hashtag mm-hmm. Holy War. So, I don't know if he's been in a lot of these environments. and He definitely hasn't been. I mean, he hasn't been east of Nevada to play a professional football game. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that matters. I don't know when they got into town. I don't know if they flew in on Monday. I don't know if they waited to normally fly in on Thursday. Whatever the, the, the case may be, but I got I got I got Philly winning that game. Not not crazy. I don't think there's gonna be a blowout. I just think it's gonna be a situation where 
you're going to see Philly impose its will defensively early in 10, 13, 6, maybe, maybe 13, 3, because Robbie Gold, just, you know, they get a drive, Kittle, Kittle breaks one, or Debo breaks one on one of these little jet sweeps, something like that, and they get in field goal range. But once again, I think a sack pushes them out. Like they, they get in the red zone, and a sack pushes them out of the red zone. Now they're kicking a the field goal. I see, I see it going like that. For Philly. I don't see it 38 to 7 like they did to the Giants last week in that top 10 quarterback, Daniel Jones. But I do see, you know, Philly just basically just doing what a a a, a gritty, tough team does and, you know, dominating the line of scrimmage and winning the game. You know, I have to admit, I do think it's BS that you didn't want to celebrate Daniel Dimes' appreciation day with me, you know, and look at us now. You know, but but it's funny because my first note is Brock Purdy taking his show on the road. You know, my second note is Christian McCaffrey's banged up and hasn't practiced much this week. Then my third note is, you know, Philly leads the league. I'm sorry. Philly is fourth in the league in first quarter points per game. So a fast start is necessary. So, like, you know, I feel the same way. I feel that Philly has to come out and just make Brock Purdy have to play catch up because San Francisco is going to want to take the air out the ball and keep Philly off the field as much as they can. I feel, um, also what I thought about this game, I was trying to find where Philly could hurt San Francisco. And I went back to the wild super wild card weekend. And I said, man, DJ Mech, DK Metcalf had a day. So what could his college teammate, you know, do to the 49ers? He's been probably he's been clamoring for that ball all week. Yes. And so so I thought to myself, and I said, AJ Brown, if he hasn't already, depending on how people feel, like he's gonna announce himself probably in this game. Um, I think that Brock Purdy, to your point about Philly's defense. I think that's where having a McCaffrey can kind of help because you can get the ball out quick, you know, get him out in space a little bit, have some check down stuff going on. So maybe that'll keep some drives alive here and there, but I don't know if they can do it consistently enough over the course of four four quarters to actually come out with the win. So I ran it through my simulator, you know, and you'll love this. I ran it through my simulator because you said something like 13 to six or whatever. My simulator gave me 13 to 9 San Francisco. That's the total. I'm talking about like 13 yeah. early on and then. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, that, that was the total that it gave me. It gave me 13 to 9. 13 9? Yes. And then I ran it a second time Defense, because I, I think well, I ran it. some of it is a little bit. It's a little bit. I think this year has been a year of good teams mm-hmm. at the top. Average teams clouding up the middle and a right. bunch of sub-mediocre, subpar teams, coaches, play calling. The Thursday night game every week, like the first five or six weeks, was just god-awful to watch. And I think people want to make mm-hmm. a great team out of this season. Right. There's no analytic data that says a rookie quarterback that starts the last seven or eight games of the year goes on and wins the Super Bowl, no matter okay. how defense okay. is. But people want to make the the story of Brock Purdy great. They want to make 
the story of Joe Burrow great. They want to make the historic runs. They want. I think people want to create a narrative, and I think they ignore. Yes, San Francisco's defense is really good, but are they the 2000 Ravens? Are they 85? I mean, are they the the Giants that stopped the 18 and 0? They're not Denver from 2015. Yeah, they're not. Like is good, but Bosa like he doesn't. I mean, but like, Philly also, in my opinion, of course. Philly also has the best offensive line in the league, you know, um, you know, so, so you ever had those moments where you were thinking stuff inside your head and it seemed so hard. And then when you said it out loud, you realized it wasn't hard at all. So like coming into this, I was like, can Brock Purdy really do it? That was in my head. Like, can Brock Purdy really do it? Like San Francisco is good enough to probably beat Philly. Da, da, da. And then I was walking through the hallway at work and somebody said, Hey, who you got in the Super Bowl? And I said, Philly, man, they were the best team all year. So when I, <laughs> like, in my head, there was Sometimes this battle. There was this battle going Sometimes on inside my head. It's that simple. Yeah, it was it was a battle going on inside my head. But when he asked me that and I said it out, it just came out like Philly's been the best team all year. Now I ain't saying that that necessarily guarantee they're gonna win the Super Bowl, but they Philly, win this week. Philly, what Philly does best is simple. That's the thing. Like, they do the simple things offensively and defensively better than most of the league. They get mm-hmm. to the back with their front front four. They run the ball. Their quarter, like, people talk about Jalen Hurts runs the ball. He runs the ball like seven attempts a game for like 27. Yeah, it's very overstated. Yards. It's just that they have – they win the trench play. And they excel in the trenches. Some teams are good in the trenches. They excel in the trenches, so I think that's... Well, well, you know who they remind me of? And like I said, I'm not making a stylistic comparison, but they remind me of Dallas when they first got Zeke. You know... Um, when they got Zeke and Dak, and Dak had 23 pounds yeah, and four picks. Well, it was because... Well, it was because... Well, it was because Zeke was picking up all these yards, so all their third downs were like third and twos and third and ones. Philly reminds me of that, and and they're always in a position where, depending on where they are on the field, if they're at least at the 45, it's a legit chance that they could go for it on fourth down and get it, you know, because they're that good and you're not going to stop them, you know. So so I think that San Francisco— You won't catch third and ten. If they throw right, first right. down incomplete, they're going to run it on second down. Yeah, they so I think up, they're gonna line them and let you know, like, hey, yeah, we're we're gonna get this to third and five or third and four, and then maybe we got Jalen on a rollout or a quarterback keeper, and we get the first down, and then first down again, we'll hit Devontae Smith deep post route. Like, it's what I think what they have is like that you see it, and the coaches see it, and then when they make the play call, we as fans see, okay, that makes sense, because we watch games where it's like fourth and two, why y'all five what? Yeah, and don't and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm like you said. I'm not saying that Philly's just going to run away with this thing. I just think that at a point, San Francisco may have to make a play or two that they won't be able to make. So, I got it something along the lines of 23 to 16, Philly. I got it. We'll call it 24-10, Philly. All right. Well, let's go over to Arrowhead, which is in you know. Missouri, not Kansas, because, you know, I know some presidents get confused about that. You know, I know Kansas City crosses over to both of them. But, you know, this time we're playing in Missouri. So the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, 3-0 and against the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if that matters this week or not, but what I know matters 
is what does that ankle feel like? So if I know you how I think I know you, you know what I'm saying? I'm expecting you to say Kansas City's going to win. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to flip a coin. <laughs> Simply because Cincinnati, people will say, oh, they're hot. That run has to end. I don't believe that because you can you can go on a run and you can win the last 10, 12, 13 games of your season and win Super Bowl. Like, I don't think it's impossible because you, don't, you only play one game at a time. It's not like you have to send half your team to different places and run these games simultaneously. Yeah, I did, like yeah, I, so you can go one and zero every week. Yeah, I listened to Late Kick Live with Josh Pate, shout out, and he always says like, you can tell me how tough somebody's schedule is, but you don't play your whole schedule at once. Facts. But go ahead. So, with Kansas City ankle, because I think Patrick Mahomes, the enemy, Reed. Kelsey, the running backs, the way they run the ball, the way that they run the ball. Like, listen, we just need you guys to get six, seven yards of pop every once in a while. It's not a matter of we need to run it 20 times and get 110 yards rushing. It's like if we ran the ball 14 times and you guys can average six or seven a pop and we throw it 42 times and we can win the 38 times, whatever the case may be. I think they're good with that. So I don't think they're like beholden to like one play, like one style to win. Cause I think that what they do, because they get the ball to running backs, especially McKinnon picking up the blitz or leaking out when Cincinnati wants to blitz is just, is Mahomes ankle good enough to extend the play with just a slide, nothing crazy. No, all that running around in circles and throwing over his head. All that, he's, we've seen that plenty of times. Can he step up in the pocket, slide, slide, drop back, throw off his back foot, and hit Kelsey on a little out route on third and six to keep the drive going? Because if he can do that, then you know he's healthy enough and they, they can win the game. But if it looks like he was hobbled, like when he was trying to do those stretch handoff last week against Jacksonville, mm-hmm. I was like, man, stop calling that play. <laughs> like, they had a play, they had one play where they were running. It was like it was like an outside zone run. And they were handing the ball to the running back. He was on like Mahomes right side. He gets snap and shotgun, give it to the running back, and then the center would pull. And then he would just run right behind that. They ran that play, I'm gonna say three, maybe four times in the second half, and it looked exactly the same. And I think they probably got six or seven yards on it every time they ran it because they tried to run the stretch, but he couldn't get out there to give him the ball. So now the running back's waiting to get the ball versus accelerating through the handoff. And it didn't work. So they're like, you know what? We're just going to pull the guard. We're going to pull the center. And we're just going to do these zone runs. If Cincinnati, if that works against Cincinnati, then he can stand back in the pocket and, and dip and dive. But if he has to try to do these stretch handoffs, or these deep play actions with these deep drops, and he has to drop on his back foot, and it's going to be tough. So, considering I haven't seen him walk, I haven't seen any videos of him walking, I haven't heard any stories about him being in a boot. He just talked about being in treatment and having the early game Saturday, allowed him to get an extra day rest and stuff like that. So, if they can shoot it up enough, wrap it up enough, or massage it enough to where he can get out there and he can be 80%, I pick Kansas City. But if he's hobbling, if he's hobbling in the first quarter, 
then just you 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 can't pick with your heart. Then you got to be realistic and like, okay, you you can't beat a hot team with a, a quarterback that's equally that that's performing just as well as your quarterback. It's not like he Joe Burrow isn't performing at an MVP level for his team. So, so he, shiny. you know, like he's not coming in off a bad game. He's not coming in like, for instance, like like Dak. Dak was playing up and down. He had a great game against Tampa Bay, but he had a bad game against Washington the week before. Burrow's been playing consistently good football every week against every opponent. Baltimore, he has a dollar back because you don't want to make mistakes against Baltimore. But every week, making plays, finding Chase, finding Higgins, Mix has been mixing it up. So Mahomes' ankle's good. I got Kansas City, but it's going to take me through the first quarter to be confident in the Kansas City pick. And if it's if he's hobbled, then I, w- I would expect the Philly versus Cincinnati Super Bowl. So I'm just going to, like, cut through all of it, and I'm just picking Cincinnati. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just picking Cincinnati because you know there's there's like no need for the soliloquy. Well, you know there's a saying in sports, right? Like you're either hurt or you're injured. Mahomes is injured. Like he's not hurt, he's injured. You know they're probably gonna like pump him and all kinds of tranquilizers or something just to Was even. Tortorol, Peyton Manning said he loved Tortorol. Yeah, did he? That is, but all the players love it. Is that what he got when he mooned or teabagged that girl? He was like, you know, but anyway, um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so you know, breaking news. Thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was back at Tennessee, but um, you know, where ESPN falsely claimed and lied and said that he was a national champion. Give T. Martin his props. Shout out to T. Martin. Totoro's what um Aaron Rodgers got against Chicago that when they came back from twenty points down, he was like my knee. Oh my bad. I thought that's what he was taking for COVID. Uh, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just confused. I'm just confused. But um, <laughs> all right. Anyway, let's get back on track. So Kansas City this season is 13 and one when they rush for 70 yards. I give you one guess who that one loss came to. Cincinnati. Cincinnati on December 4th, 27 to 24. Of course, that game, you know, wasn't an Arrowhead. Also known as Burrowhead, apparently. Oh yeah, Chris Jones, yeah, <laughs> Burrowhead. Yeah, yo, so, Joe Burrow, man, like he's so hard to root against. He's just so cool. Joe Shiesty, man. He's Joe cool. Like I mean, like it's, it's ridiculous. It's unfair. Hey, so, so, so Joe Burrow gonna end up better than Joe Montana? <sighs> Listen, we'll talk. <laughs> about but um, but Joe, so Kansas City, Kansas City and Cincinnati, it's so odd because. Kansas City overwhelms everybody. But it seems that for whatever reason, and it may be Joe Burrow's leadership, but it just seems like Cincinnati is unbothered by whatever Kansas City throws at them, and they always have some kind of answer. Because even going back to the regular season last year, they played the late game in Cincinnati in the season, and I I believe it was 34 to 31, Cincinnati pulled it off. And I remember being legit shocked that Cincinnati won that game for no other particular reason than Cincinnati beat Kansas City. So when they got to the AFC championship game last year, I said, oh, man, Mahomes lives in the AFC championship game. Matter of fact, this is his fifth straight year there. Five years in a row, and people are trying to say Josh Allen is better. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I wish wish the odd couple didn't have it, like, you know, so I could just be like, stop it. But, you know, 
but 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 like you know, I guess I just I guess I just did it. Yeah, I guess I just did it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so last year Kansas City jumped out to a twenty-one to three lead on Cincinnati, and then Patrick Mahomes proceeded to play probably the worst half I've ever seen him play since he started. Yeah, since Texas Tech. So where I think Cincinnati wins the day is Kansas City starts a lot of youth in the secondary. And well, not necessarily start, but they play a lot of youth back there. They play three rookie corners back there. They have a rookie safety back there. I just think that Burrow's too good. You know, I just think that he simply put, he's too good. Travis Kelsey had 14 catches last week against Jacksonville, which was a Chiefs playoff record. Yeah, I think he's going to get doubled this week. Yeah, they're going to take him away, you know, because I don't know if Kansas City. Like, they have Kadarius Tony, who's obviously a speedster. You know, they got McCole Hartman. But I don't think of McCole Hartman as a dude that you scheme against from the standpoint of he's going to beat us down the field. Like, you just want to make sure he doesn't, he's not. Like, he has, I think he has game-changer speed. Yes. seem like he's in position to make those. Like, Jamar Chase, I don't know if Jamar, I don't know what he clocked at the 40. I don't know if he ran his pro day or if he ran in the combine. But it seems like the ball's in the air. He's coming down with it. Same thing with Gabe Davis and Buffalo or Stephon Diggs or Justin Jefferson. And I don't know if these guys are faster than McCall Hartman, but it just doesn't seem like McCall Hartman is on the receiving end of these big plays. And it's, I, I just don't know why, because I, I know the speed is there. It's like a 4-2 something, 40. Well, well, I think that like he's the type of dude, he reminds me of your boy, and I know this ain't really his name, but this is just what I call him. He reminds me of your boy Corduroy Patterson from the standpoint of when the play starts, you just want to know where he is. Like, you know, if Nicole Hartman is in the backfield, you just got your eyes back there because you have to. But if he's lined up in the slot, he's lined up outside, especially outside. I don't think you take it that seriously outside of, hey, just don't let him get behind you or whatever. He must be good at running routes. Maybe. Maybe. It must be like he there's he's just not he's not an inside route runner he doesn't run a lot of slants maybe I, it it has to be something because with his his speed he should be he should be open Deshaun Jackson Deshaun Jackson if you put him in a game he could be at home all season long you can call him week ten on Friday put him in the slot on Sunday and tell him to run a deep post and he's running past the safety in the corner. Just any time he, he's big time with that. And I and McCall Hartman, I think he's very similar in size. Well, yeah. He doesn't have those kind of plays. Like yeah, the even pass against the Washington football team back in the day, the, the, the ADR pass. Mm-hmm. Like that's that was a quintessential Deshaun Jackson deep route shot. You knew he was going to catch that ball and you knew he was going to score. You knew he was going to walk it in his own backwards and throw up gang signs. You knew he was going to do all that well stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like you should be running those routes with that speed, but I don't I don't recall seeing a highlight of him doing that. Yeah, so Cincinnati keeps defying logic because they keep losing offensive linemen, and every week I'm like, oh hey, they're not going to be able to protect, they're not going to be able to do this, they're not going to be able to do that. And what did they do? They ran for 172 yards in the snow last week. You know what I mean? Against a defense that I thought. And the numbers suggest is a pretty good defense, like second best in the league, matter of fact. So I think that at some point, 
devoid of any football numbers or logic. I just have to say Cincinnati is just that good. You know, like no matter what odds seem to be stacked against them, they just keep fighting. So the one thing that did concern me a little bit was all the barrelhead talk, all all the, hey, he's 3-0 and against Mahomes all week long, Kansas City listening to that, Mahomes listening to that. So in my so like you said, in my heart, I'm like, oh man, there's no way Kansas City loses this game. I just like I just feel like it's time for them to beat Cincinnati. But I just can't pick it right now. I just can't. You know what I mean? If you if you if you find me Sunday at four o'clock, I might tell you Kansas City a win. But as of this moment right now, I'm picking Cincinnati. I'm 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 picking Kansas City. Um, but as a fact change, so does my opinion. And if he's if he's if he's hobbled, I mean, like any good defensive coordinator would have done what Jacksonville didn't do. They didn't. I would have sent it would have been six dudes every play. Mm-hmm. I would have I would have been like, I'm sending six from whatever angle every play. And if he beat you, he beat you. But last week he wasn't going to beat that. It, mm-hmm. that. He would have to come to the game. I was going to. I was going to make Andy Reid pull Patrick Mahomes because I would have blitzed. I would have blitzed. I would have blitzed people off the practice squad. I mean, <laughs> I, I would just like, listen, I'm going to send a fresh body out there. Like, yo, you have nothing on all game. Cool. You're going to line up as a nickel corner and the two of you are going to go in this blitz. He can see it coming. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I want him to rush and throw, fall, get knocked over, have to get back up, have to slide, have to whatever you have to do but they just let them sit back there mm-hmm. and they just rush four maybe they sent one guy who can get picked up by the running back i'm sending i was sending six guys and i think mm-hmm. if he's hurt this week i think cincinnati does that so you got so we both got philly you got cincinnati i got kansas city we have tons of nfl talk and i gotta get some off my chest oh man I don't even get to, I don't even get to get my San Diego State off, huh? Man, I gotta get it off my chest. Man. All right, all right, you let's go. Glad to save San Diego State for the next time. Let's go. But I gotta get this off my chest. All right, like I talked about, I live out here in Jersey. You got Jet fans, Giant fans, Eagles fans, very passionate. They're passionate Yankee fans, Mets fans. Like they're just they just love sport. It just it's in the water. How is the New York Jets allowed to just hire Nathaniel Hackett? That's it. I mean, that's it. I'm not even, I'm not even going to elaborate. I'm just upset with that. That's it. That, I mean, you already seen it. We all seen it. We all know it. I don't need to get any more details. I mean, the clock is ticking. You know, we got we got I got we got time constraints on this on this episode. But just how are you going to sell me? You know, it's forty dollars a park at the stadium to watch games. That's forty dollars. So I'm off the rip. Before I get a ticket, I'm spending forty dollars just to park my car on this asphalt that's already there. And you giving me Zach Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett, like we all didn't watch football since August. That's all. I had to get that off my chest. Do with that what you will, but I don't know how you keep getting hired. It just, it bothers me. 
it's not a black coach, white coach thing. It's just how is someone who has shown this year that they are in over their skis, gets a job and the biggest market in America with these fans. Close my mind. Stand by. I got to got to check something real quick. Give me one second. So, you know, Nathaniel Hackett is a funny topic because he stood next to Aaron Rodgers and everybody just assumes that he was either the reason for Aaron Rodgers' success, even though Aaron Rodgers was a great quarterback way before you ever heard of Nathaniel Hackett. So I don't know where this comes from. So I understand the validity of being upset about that because he just got fired. I mean, Frank Wright just got hired by the Carolina Panthers, by the way. I think Frank Wright is a good coach. You know, he had Carson Wentz looking like something in Philadelphia. Didn't quite work out in Indianapolis, but I did say 27 touchdowns and 27, I'm sorry, 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. So even the, you know, the numbers were still good. Carson Wentz just messed it up a lot. But the reason that Frank Wright is such a, big deal is because the players were adamantly screaming for Steve Wilkes. And my heart just goes out to Steve Wilkes. You know, he is a black coach that has a little bit to do with it, but I just remember he getting set up in Arizona because they decided to draft Josh Rosen and then they went three and 13 and they go, Hey, let's get Cliff Clingsbury so we can get Kyler Murray. And then Steve Wilkes just got out of a job had Carolina that started one and four finished six and six and the players wanted them and they still didn't hire him. So, I mean, I don't know what else the guy need to do, but I got something to get off my chest too. And, you know, my, uh, wind got taken out of my sails a little bit because, you know, my get it off your chest tied into our PAC 12 San Diego state topic, but I guess I'll just roll with it anyway, because I ain't got nothing else right now. <laughs> so what I got to get off my chest, is competitiveness. So when I was a kid, and I'm not trying to do the old man back in my day thing, but you had pride about winning and losing. You know, sometimes it might have been irrational and crazy, to say the least, but you cared if you won or you lost. So my problem is with fans who are upset about college kids that don't play in bowl games or they feel like the kids are getting paid, so that makes the sport less pure and all that kind of stuff like that. Let's stick to the money for a second. So me and Rav had a conversation yesterday, you know, that was going to be a part of our conversation today, where um, he was asking the question of, you know, if I'm an Arizona or somebody like that, why am I going to try to get into another conference where I'm going to get my wig peeled back all the time? And my answer to that was, because you rather go seven and five and make 30 million than to go 10 and two or 11 and one and only make 17 million. Where's the competitive fire? Why, why do you want competitiveness from these kids where the administration has thrown in the towel on being competitive? This is just a cataclysm of our society from the standpoint of everybody complains about participation trophies. Well, with all these conference moves and this conference realignment, there aren't going to be more teams playing for the national title. You know, USC and UCLA are about to go to the Pac, or I'm sorry, the Big Ten. Pac-12, is it dying a slow death? 
you know, you got the Big 12 out there who's going to be adding these teams potentially, but it doesn't make the conference that much better outside of improving the paychecks. So if you want the kids to be passionate and care about winning games for your alma mater, your school, your university, then make the university care in the first place. The kids are only doing what their role models slash what their leaders are allowing and what their lead in the culture that their leaders are embracing. Like the Big Ten right now, just signed this seven million dollar TV deal. We got NIL now. We got the transfer portal or whatever the case may be. So obviously, somewhere down the line, a decision was made a very long time ago that universities were going to look at their bottom line first and their bottom line only. So stop getting mad at 18 to 22 year olds who are putting their bodies on the line and their livelihood and their futures on the line for maybe taking a bowl game off that doesn't matter in the national title race. You know, maybe they sit out the senior bowl or whatever the case may be because they don't want to injure themselves before the draft. So while I don't like that either, I understand the player protecting themselves because the universities aren't doing it. Win games. Hello. That's what I got to get off my chest. Woo. <laughs> Woo. Somebody saw he was talking to an athletic director directly. Yikes. Hey, I might have been talking to Bethune Cookman. You never know. You know, but but no, but at the end of the day, like like I hear this stuff. You know what I mean? And the school set the standard. Coaches leave yes. before bowl games. They take the staff. They take the top players. So you mean to tell me, you know, you get an eighteen year old kid showed up. You promise him you're gonna turn him. You promise his mother, his grandmother, his father. You sat in the living room and you said, hey, I'm gonna turn your I'm gonna turn your boy into a man. It's not just going to be there for football. It's going to be education. I'm going to teach him this. We're going to teach him that. We have a staff around him. We're going to we're going to turn him into a man. You're going to be proud that you sent him to Oklahoma. And then ten and two later, hey man, I'm on this plane to USC. Uh, I can't fit you in, you know. So you know, like I said, I mean, you look, that's and I respect it because it's like sometimes people people talk as if it's not obvious. Like we can all right. see like, moves and right. this money and all sorts of stuff. Like. It should trickle down to the athlete and they should be able to do what they want. So if they transfer and they don't play and their career is over, then that's on them. That's a decision that they're allowed to make. You can't say you can't chastise them for wanting to make that decision by saying you're protecting them by chastising them. Heard a lot of people say that. Doug Gottlieb said, like, oh, these guys, they don't know what what, what do they know about taxes if they get this NIL deal. That's not your problem. It's right. not your problem if they get a hundred thousand dollar NIL deal and they don't know to put thirty five thousand dollars to the side off the rip. That's not your problem. That's not what you're arguing about. You're arguing about because they're getting paid and you think that you should have got paid when you were in college. Well, mm-hmm. hey, times are changing. You know, you got $7 billion TV deals. I'm out here. The reason you guys are on TV, I need to cut it out. And it's still not even the university that's actually paying these kids. You know, it's businesses and things like that. So the university the is still sitting fat. The car, <laughs> the car wash, the, the restaurant. Uh, what's the, the what's the kid's name? The 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 coldest was his name. Yeah, the, the cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The coldest Anthony. Uh, the air conditioning company, where he, they have an idea with him, so he's on the side of that van, like an air conditioning repair company. 
sign him because his name is the coldest. I yeah. mean, you can have fun with it. I think people are just upset that it's not the framework that they would have established. And like, well, it's not up to you to establish it. Now you have to understand what's going on. And people are having fun with it. People are upset with the, uh, the gymnast out of LSU because she doesn't perform well. Well, her Instagram's popping. Her Instagram is flipping. She might not be flipping that well, but her Instagram is flipping and it's turning over money every single time she makes a post. And every single time she drinks that protein drink or whatever it is she's selling or those Nikes or whatever it is she's doing or Under Armour or whatever the case may be, people people are taking advantage of their name and likeness, which they're allowed to do. Yeah, and I just want to say this one last thing real quick. You know, So back to the competitiveness real quick. And I know most of America don't care about this, but Mike Wilson cares about it, so you don't have to. You know, I'm tired of living in a world where Kansas and Missouri don't play each other every year. You know, I don't want to live in a world where there's no bedlam between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State every year. But with all these conference moves, all those things that made college football great in the first place, at least to me, that stuff's going away. Like A&M and Texas haven't played each other since A&M left the Big 12. Like there's something truly wrong with that, you know. And first thing that gets that's, that's the first thing that goes. Yeah, and, and, and that, that, but that's that, what built the sport. Mercer, yeah, you know, you that's what built Mercer. No, we go cut the robbery game. Like it just doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, like imagine, imagine, like I know this would never happen, but just you know, for argument, imagine Army and Navy not playing each other, or like imagine, you know, you just wake up one day and like I've heard Gator fans. The Army went to Big Ten. They don't play Navy anymore. Like yeah, I heard logic. Yeah, I've heard Gator fans talking about like. You know, Georgia's our rival. Like, why we play Florida State? And I've heard, like, Kentucky fans say, why we play Louisville? It does nothing for us. It ain't about you. It's about the fans in the damn state. You know what I'm saying? Keep the money in the state. You know, Alabama, you know, like, instead of playing Chattanooga or Western Carolina or somebody like that, play UAB. Play Troy. You know, just keep the money in-house. But anyway... I am Mike Wilson, and I'm sorry for the tangent, y'all, but this stuff gets me riled up. So I'm Mike Wilson. You can find me at MLW25 on Instagram. You can find me at 2-Bit Reports on Twitter. Raph, you know we got the sports report is ordered Instagram page up. Yeah, we got the YouTube page up. We're going to be linking it on our Instagram and Facebook and in our sports group, Real Sports 365. Shout out to those guys. A lot of our... A lot of our discussion topics are kind of vetted through information we pull from that group because, you know, it pops up on the phone. So, like I said, once again, man, everybody, everyone is tuning in so far and people are going to tune in the future. Appreciate it. Like I said, it was mm-hmm. two vets, no gimmicks. Just having a good time with this. Like I said, these, these topics come to us. We discuss it. We go we go in detail. We do the research. We keep it, you know, we keep it authentic. We, we, we keep it, you know, rational. Like, that's the main thing. We speak objectively. Um, like I said, we're going to want to have people on the show. You got to bring your A game. That's you know, right. We can't, can't have you trying to talk to us while you're in the car driving. We need you focused. We need you to substantiate, qualify, and quantify your argument. Like, all of these things matter, and it's and it's good, smart argument. I'm pretty sure that at the beginning of this conversation, Mike didn't think Daniel Jones doesn't belong anywhere near the top 10. But you break it down, and he's like, I give you 12. He wasn't thinking 12 when we when we had this conversation. We said, I give you 12. I didn't keep pounding him saying, no, you got to get him nine. But no, I mean, <laughs> you, you know what? I give you 12. And I'm like, you know what? 12, because it's a couple of toss-ups. Some people might want to keep a couple of guys here and there. So, like I say, just, just that conversation that we had organically 
it just worked in our favor. So, like I said, appreciate everybody tuning in. Appreciate the support. Hold on, one more thing real quick. One more thing. I just saw something that made me think of you real quick. So you just went on your tangent about Nathaniel Hackett. And I just saw that the Rams hired uh, Mike LaFleur, who was the Jets' offensive coordinator, as their offensive coordinator. I don't, they, I, don't, I don't know where I live at. What are they watching? I don't know. But with just, that being said, <laughs> shout just, out to me. Process. Just strike it. Just get, just say I'm going to hire my boy. Yeah. You know, just, but just as we get out of here, email. as we get out of here, shout out Mina Comms, shout out Red Bull, shout out America. I love you. <laughs>